and his bride all together as one. What an, what an awesome time of joy. And what an awesome time of deliverance. So, um, we, I just believe, and I was um, thinking about it, worshiping, uh, praying before, and someone had mentioned this to me, and, and I thought about it. Each one of us should think about what does Purim mean to you? In other words, we should all think, what, what does Purim mean to us? And, and each one of us could have an individual Purim, an individual celebration of God's victory. How awesome that is. Think about it. There, we are living in a world that is continuously, in every way, going down and going down and going down. And, and we see anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism, which is anti-Semitism, on the rise and on the rise and on the rise. And what does it mean to our brothers and sisters in Israel? What does it mean to live in a country where it is being threatened on every border and, and, and countries want to blow it up and, and get it off the map. It means that when we seek our God and when we just make strong our relationship with to our Lord, to our God, to our King, we know nothing, nothing can can really harm us. Nothing could get us off the map. Nothing. Because if God has called us as a nation and has called the state of Israel and God has called a body of Messiah and we are part of that body of Messiah, how awesome it is that no matter what we're going through, no one, if God has ordained a certain time for us to be here and, 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 and I'm saying not only being here, I'm saying all in, in everyone's individual walk in your life. If God has ordained something and spoken to you and ordained a, a, a position for a time such as this, then there's nothing that anyone can do because if God is for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. 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 And I, I just want to tell you a little story, a true story, true, true story of... Um, that happened in January of, of 1953, and I remembered reading something about this, so I looked it up and, and I read and I read this. So I'm going to quote from the article that I read because I was looking specifically. I wanted to get the facts specifically from this. By the time Stalin disclosed the plot to to build again. Um, concentration camps and to dispose of the Jewish people to a stunned Soviet populace in January of 1953. He had spun it into a vast conspiracy led by Jews under the United States secret direction to kill him and destroy the Soviet Union itself. The article goes on to relate something 
less widely known. That February, that February, it states the Kremlin ordered the construction of four giant prison camps in Kazakhstan, Siberia, and the Arctic North, apparently in preparation for a second great terror, this time directed at the millions of Soviet citizens of Jewish descent. We didn't know about that, and I as I said, I remembered reading about it, so I looked it up, I looked it up, and, and there's someone, I forget his name, but he just wrote a book uh, on, on this, and it, it, it's really amazing, because on March, supposedly on March 1st, was the day, let's see, yeah, March 1st, was the day that he spoke that, spoke this curse on the Jewish people, and that day just so happened, haha, to be to be the fourteenth day of Adar. Just so happened, haha, to be Purim. And what do you think happened to him? The next day he was speaking, and he collapsed, and one week later he died. So it's just an interesting thing. So, so why am I speaking that right, right now? And I'm speaking that because we have to understand, and this is what I want each one when we read the Megillah to look at, is that there's a sense of hiddenness in the, in the Megillah, a hiddenness of the name of God. But God is all over the, the Esther story because God represents divine providence. And if God weren't involved, then Vashti would not have rebelled and Esther, <laughs> and Esther would not, <laughs> she would not have been queen. And Haman, would have tried to get his way. And Mordecai, <laughs> Would not have, would not have, just so happened to have heard, just so have happened to have heard what that two people were plotting um, against King Ahasuerus, and and it and it just so happened that it was written in the chronicles, and it just so happened that King Ahasuerus had a sleepless night and he just so happened that he thought it was a really good idea to read the Chronicles and it just so happened to he that he saw that and it just so happened that when he when he thought oh my gosh I no one even honored this man so who did he ask to, who did he ask to say, what would we do? What's a good way to honor someone that needs honor, that should be honored? 
for the greatness that he's done. And it just so happened that Haman... It's just so happened that he said, oh, well, he must be thinking about me. Well, I think you should take this, this donkey and put him on it and have someone parade and, and, and parade around, around, uh, around the streets all over and say and speak how great this person is and shout out. Blessed be Mordecai. And all and and it just so happened that Mordecai (laughs) even though God's name wasn't mentioned in the book of Esther. He knew about divine providence, and so it just so happened that he told Esther (laughs) about the plot, and it just so happened that Esther became queen, divinely positioned at a time such as this. And it just so happened that she said, I can't do that because I, I, if the king doesn't extend the scepter, I, I can't do it. And it's just so happened that Mordecai yeah. said, <laughs> said, you know, if you don't do it, then help will come from somewhere else. So it's just so happened that Esther also knew about divine providence. How do we know? Because she fasted. No food, no water, three days and three nights. And it just so happened that when she said to Ahasuerus, and she, she said, um, she said, I have a request. And, and, and Ahasuerus said, what do you want? Whatever you want, up to half the kingdom. And it's just so happened that she didn't say anything the first night. She didn't say what it was, except she said, can we have another one? Can you and me and Haman have another banquet? And I really believe, like, Ahasuerus knew that there was something. She was going to ask for something, not just that she wants to cook for two nights. So, so, um, but I really feel that she believed in God and she believed in divine providence and she fasted. I really believe that, that maybe, this may be, there's no proof or anything to this, but I believe that maybe she was going to ask the first night. But maybe as she was just about to ask, maybe the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, spoke to her and said, no, 
not tonight. And that she decided not to do it. And then maybe the next night, that she, so the next night she came expecting, and the next night she got that unction without her knowing anything about the Holy Spirit or anything, but she knows about God. And maybe she just felt that that was God. And God, all of a sudden, we all know what that is when your heart beats really fast and you know you've got to speak something. So I just really feel that that was also um, the, the, the Ruach HaKodesh. And I, so... So it just so happened that on the second night, he did, on the second night when she, when she revealed who this person was, that his wife had told him to build a gallows, to, to build the gallows so they could hang Mordecai. Yay! Yay. Yay. Not yay for the hanging, but, but yay for Mordecai. And that, that hanging, those gallows were used to hang Haman. And yay to the hanging. So, so that's what I wanted to say, that just when you read it, just try to see where God is in there. And God is so much... In, in that story, in the Esther story, he is so wow. much... Uh, yes, we mentioned it, yes. Okay, so, let's see.